0: This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to the Hub. Greetings! Uh, yes, uh, happy everything, Nubians, and everyone else who's not a Nubian yet, but Nubians get first
1: first hellos. No question.
0: What? Uh, happy- Hey, Dr.
1: Carr. Hey, Professor Hunter. Happy everything, good everything, everybody around the world. It's a beautiful thing. I decided to be a little hot today because I put on my uh, Black Star line, joined it. I bought it on 125th Street many years ago. This is a stock certificate in the Black Star line from Marcus Garvey and Amy Garvey. Um, so I figured I'd wear it today. Uh, by the way, in terms of convicting Marcus Garvey of fraud, this is exactly not what was in that empty envelope that the feds used to send him to jail illegally? So, uh, pardon Marcus Garvey, uh, how's that going, Professor Hunter? I think we
0: uh, hey, not, not not what I expected, but it's everything I expected at the same time. And I wanted to bring in uh, a book to to uh, that I found yeah. in the library. But um Uraeus, I know you're watching. Uh, we can do that. You know, we, Dr. Julius Garvey is down with everything uh, that we're doing. Anything we can do to help his dad, I'm down with it. So. No uh, no question. 125th Street, yes, thank you, but also in Nubia and Narrative exclusively. Um,
1: that's right, that's right, and you know, also, yeah, you know, hey, everybody, and those who are watching a little later on YouTube as it goes around the world. I mean, we've been between twenty and thirty thousand or more forever since you know. And by the way, Professor Hunter, love. I'm going to talk a little, a little bit about this a little later uh, sister, a couple of sisters. One a graduate of Georgia State, somebody else from Tuskegee. I was with them earlier this week, past week. They want me to send you their love and say, thank you for getting us through the pandemic. So when those huge numbers, when we didn't have narrative in Nubia and those big numbers, the 100,000, 200,000 in the dead of the thing, they just wanted me to let that's the First time I've seen them on this campus in real life. And they said, tell her that was Thursday night. So I just wanted to say that before it's anything. Else. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Between
0: this and club quarantine. we
1: we. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And what happened to Versus? Oh, they just went left, huh? Well, no, they <laughs> sold. You know,
0: they sold out, and then and then right. they paid them. Yeah, they Swiss Beats and uh, Timberland sold to you know uh, some billionaires that didn't pay, didn't pay them, and then you know.
1: So what did we do? Oh, we sold in. I guess if that's selling out, we sold in, huh? <laughs> sold in. We sold, sold in. in. <laughs> nice. And y'all see how this works? This is how. Yeah. <laughs> We okay. S
0: O W and we S E W. No
1: question. No we question. So y'all go right. out there and get everybody who is watching this, whenever or wherever you're watching it from. Do what Professor Hunter said. If you have signed the petition, excellent. If you haven't, do it. And if you have or haven't, go get nine other people, ten other people. I think you said Professor Hunter, right? Ten yeah. other people.
0: I mean, Let, it let's take, blow
1: past all the barriers. You know,
0: it, it, it takes less than two minutes. I will drop the link to the to the pardon petition. In the description, which apparently very few people read, because I keep getting so where where do I have a, I'm like everything is in the description. I take I like I take a few minutes. I take longer to write the description than to sign the petition to drop stuff in the in the description so you could just click on it. I make the,
1: I try to make. Let's, let's do it, y'all. Let's do it, y'all. Let's not debate whether or not the government or whatever because if you don't need any other reason, Dr. Garvey said, "I want my daddy to have a party." That should be enough. We family, right? This is a governance structure. If you set aside all the reasons and just go to that, you know what
0: I'm saying. So I was driving uh, last month, the month before last, uh, in my neighborhood, and the library had like a book sale.
1: Mm-hmm. So, you oh, know, those are the best.
0: I'm inspired by you, right? So you could take get five books for free. Yes. And then you could buy the rest for like two dollars or whatever. So
1: I've never understood those sales. Those are deaccessioning sales. In other words. How is this book here? This book should be in the library. Y'all giving these books away? They're either free or a dollar, two or two. Oh, yes, those are the best sales. Oh, I love it. Wait a minute. You're about to show what did you yeah. find? So oh, I, I found about this book. book. Yes, yes, John o. Franklin. Right. Wow, Mirror. to that's his that's his memoir, Mirror so, to America. That I was, was smiling because
0: I was like, Oh, I know Dr. Carr got this book, and I know no
1: question. Writing. I got a side copy of John O. Franklin boy. No question. But we talked about, but you know, I, I mean.
0: We had a whole episode on it. But Many I-
1: of them in the context
0: of Tulsa. But I wanted to pull one paragraph forward because it kind of speaks to where we are. Even I had um, Dr. Ron Daniels on this week talking about reparations and, you know, just the, the the way people are searching for offense and conflict and, you know, division as if by dividing you, your, your platform, yes, you have a platform. It's great. It's great. You have followers. But mm. well, how do it free us? How? how
1: do it free us? We see how it free you. Yes. But it and don't it is, free it us.
0: I guess individual freedom. I wonder what Harriet would think about that, because she was. Oh,
1: if individual freedom, she'd have left the first time she left the Eastern Shore and not look back. She wouldn't have come back and got all them hundreds of people. She wouldn't have come back and directed troops in battle to set what plantation to burn and all that Combahee River stuff in South Carolina. She wouldn't have come back and got her parents. She wouldn't have created that a home for what she called it retired slaves up there in Auburn, New York. She wouldn't. Have, she wouldn't have done any of that. She could have just left. She was out. She was out the game. How many families? We'll never know. No, we are directly are directly here today because our mentor Harriet Ross Harriet Ross Tubman said, "Yeah, this ain't about me. I'm coming back."
0: Isn't that something? Well, I mean, because what is freedom? You know, I was I was uh, lamenting yesterday, like. <laughs> you know that island in the sentinel north sentinel island where the 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 indigenous people there will shoot you on site with poison darts or whatever oh yeah i mean, remember
1: you talking
0: about <laughs> i'm like i just i just to like if i could just if there's an island adjacent to it you know <laughs> it's like because sometimes you're just like man y'all we just y'all y'all want to live y'all want to live y'all i mean beyond division the, the planet like y'all Y'all okay with the plan? All right, okay, all right. Um, may I just be on that <laughs> island adjacent to the people that are gonna shoot you on site and then say, if you see anybody come to this island, take care of I'll be by myself in a loincloth.
1: And a- uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're by yourself, you don't need her.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, but you know, it just demod- <laughs> <laughs>
1: is the body. It's so funny. You know?
0: Leave the titties out. Um, they had okay.
1: an archive issue of the New Yorker this, this week. So I was reading the issue and they had the old some of the old cartoons. You know how the New Yorker has those cartoons. Sometimes you got to sit there and think about it. But one of them, they republished. There were these aliens and they were looking through this telescope. And one of them said, oh, looks like the humans have improved their technology and they can see us now. Uh, go put on some clothes. <laughs> but, but it reminds me of something that I think is attributed to Jean-Paul Sartre. And Sartre is like, we don't know we're naked till somebody knock on the door. I mean, in other words, you know, how much about clothing is really about perception and how we think other people think. (laughs) So when you see all them clothes on, like, why you got them clothes on? Because, you know.
0: Does that that apply to uh, the nakedness of how we think about things, too? Like, of course. Not until somebody brings it to our teacher, which I think is so powerful, what you are able to do in the craft of teaching and how you teach, is that many of us are walking around naked of thought or or dark of thought, meaning, or, or white of thought, not seeing things until it's brought to your attention. And then it's like, oh, oh I, you
1: can sing oh, it out. Or it's okay to say it. I think, and, and by the way, thank you uh, everybody for these Monday nights and so-called, oh, I say so-called office hours, because I was reading something that educator said, uh, she changed the, def- the name of her office hours to drop-in hours. And the students started coming different because they think opposites, they think different. I said, maybe we should have dropped it. But, but I, I don't want to mess with it because we have. But that conversation we had Monday night about this Africana Studies class that we're putting together. I, I've never had a public conversation like that around writing a, a syllabus. And so the one that I'm writing now, which will mirror in some ways and then go way beyond in other ways, the, the one that I'm using for uh, the class that I teach, at, the intro class that I teach at Howard. That conversation was so rich. And part of it is this Africana studies framework that we're going to go over for the first part of the class and the second part will apply it. We had to develop those, those categories of governance and social structure in part because of what you're saying. So much of what we are and who we are and how we interact are things that we have experienced and we remember. We're always adding to our knowledge. But in, in some ways, metaphorically, given the metaphor you laid out in terms of being naked or being clothed, Sometimes it's about taking clothes off because mm-hmm. even in governance, when we feel comfortable and having a conversation, we can say things that we know we want to say, but in the clothing of the world, you know, the social scientists, cultural studies, people, they call it the street, you know, in the street, the, the, the social structure in many ways is the street. There are things we're trained at home not to say in the street, you know, children always violating that. Mommy, didn't you say, oh, no, 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 no. This is the street. <laughs> don't say what we say at home in the street. So, I mean, part of Africana Studies work is helping people be comfortable enough to say, let's talk. Because our disagreements aren't, obvi- aren't always the disagreements we have in private.
0: Yeah. So thank
1: you for that. that. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we disagree on stuff, but what we say at the house, the disagreement, when we go in public. Yeah. In fact, we're going to talk about that in a minute in the context of Michael Jackson, I think, since his birthday is date uh, tomorrow.
0: Uh a couple of days. Um, mm-hmm.
1: uh, oh, the 29th of August. This that because people could be watching this anytime. People watch all week. But anyway, I don't want to take y'all track. You you, you found John Franklin, huh? You After,
0: know, as we're talking, first of all, I've never been more excited to take a class in my entire life. Uh let me just say that. I you know
1: to join. We, we not taking, we exchange.
0: It. Uh, it, <laughs> the the way you laid that thing out, and what is even more Im- Im- important is that it is evolving. Like yes and and it you know we are adding to you know like you you're you're working through it in real time like nope. we don't get to see professors work and I was uh, we I started class this week uh Thursday yes and, you know i said you know everything in this syllabus is subject to change because the world is ever changing and so i am not going to be rigid and and stick to a syllabus that i've been using for the last 20 years as things evolve uh, naturally, we're going as journalism. We're going to talk about what's mm-hmm. happening in the world. We're going to bring in guests. We're going to do so. Everything in here is subject to change, and it's like you know, these kids are so rooted in rote memorization and structure and order, from the standpoint that they have not been taught to critically think. And, and then you throw something at them that they're not used to. And it's like, they get apoplectic and I'm like, yeah, no, you're going to, you're going to critically think in this class and you're going to learn to be nimble and you're going to learn to be open. And you're going to learn to uh, process information in real time, you know, and whatever's on this syllabus is going to change and, you know, and you're not going to be wedded to your grade because how you do in this class is not going to be you know, based on your test scores, because your test is showing up and participating in this dialogue no and one. your own uh, freedom.
1: So when you're teaching a craft, I mean, when yeah. you're teaching a craft, it's so funny you say that, that everything is subject to change because I was having a conversation uh, the other day with Holly Greenman. You know, I always try to soak up a little bit more from the elder every time we're sitting there and talking. And we were talking about syllabus development. I was sharing some of the things we we're doing this past Monday. And he said, in 43 years of teaching at Howard, and of course, he continues to teach. In fact, they're developing this film institute that, that he's developing for people who want to be filmmakers. He said, I wouldn't order books. He said, they would get mad at me. Professor Greenwood, when are you going to order your books? And he would say, I am the book. He said, I'm a filmmaker. So if you're taking my class, he said, you won't just learn uh, directing. You're going to learn acting, editing. You're going to learn sound. He said, now, I don't want to do that because i work at an institution i'm here because the 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 young people that i want to teach are here and if we had the budget to hire people to teach sound for film because sound for film different than sound for radio if we had somebody to teach editing if somebody was doing acting but i'm going to do all that because when you come to me you want to be a filmmaker he said what book is going to teach you that i make films he said i'm always suspicious of people teaching filmmaking who ain't never made no films now, you're a working journalist. So you are the book. This was the point Hollywood was saying. He's like, I'm the book. You're the yeah, book. I and I said to them, uh, you know, no
0: disrespect to my colleagues, but this is not something you could teach out of a book today. Exactly. Journalism has, in the last five years, evolved. And I'm like, I don't know how many of your professors are actually working in media or shaping media. Because that's a whole other thing, too. Because we're not just in media. No we're shaping what media should look like and i said i expect people in this class to participate in making it what it should be not just you know going out to get a job what should it be what should what should news be and then i brought in charles Lowe versus the new york times this is the first class so we we go on you know yeah oh. and i said and i'm very black so you going we going I'm going to yeah. lean into who I am. I'm going to expect you to do the same because we need people to bring their full selves to journalism, to media, you know. And it was interesting. I had a young uh, young lady who was raised in Malaysia, which, you know. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so I said, so did you learn English there or here? She said, we learned English. Uh, of course, we had to learn it in, in school, but I learned English watching television. Oh, Yeah. Yes. So I started off the class saying I'm not code switching but She said, so I'm code switching right now. And I was like, she didn't know the term until I dropped it. But she understood it enough to say, yes, I'm code switching. This is now how I talk when I'm home.
1: And I was and, like, and there's the value added of the classroom. That's the content knowledge. That's what Asa Hill would say. A teacher should have content knowledge. And the ability to help students acquire their own content knowledge and apply those skills. That's an excellent example. She didn't know that phrase. That's why you, that's why you paid the tuition. That's why you come because I didn't know that. Now that I know that I can use thank you. I can I, there was a there was a there was a label for it. There was a place I could put that to help. Wow. She said she codes, which I didn't know the name. Yeah. Before. <laughs> I love that. And I was like, I want to know, and I wanna
0: know what, what what it sounds like when you're talking to your mother.
1: You know, no question.
0: You'll be sent on assignment and you may end up in a Malaysian community where, you you know, and that's the value of having a diverse newsroom, by the way, uh, because everybody, they're people (laughs) in everywhere. And you need to have people who can talk to people, because, as you know, when we were talking about the enslaved folk, when the white folk came out to interview them after enslavement, they talked differently to them than they talked to, than Kasula talked to Zora Neale Hurston. You know, um, it's a different conversation when you have kinship, when That's you right. have relationship.
1: That's right. I have a, I have a student, and I'm going to talk about and probably mention her again, um, just Ariel Gordon from St. Louis. She'd be mad if I didn't say from St. Louis. She was one of the uh, young sisters from HBCUs that spent two months out at UCLA this, this summer when Dr. Beatty came, and he's there, her professor here at Howard, and, but he she was out there doing this Egyptology intensive. And... Uh, she was there yesterday. A number of the students came, and because uh, I told them I'm gonna try to go over to San Cofre for a couple of hours on Friday afternoon. Then near the end, some students came and said, "So you say, you're gonna be here tomorrow, right? You said you would come tomorrow afternoon." I said, "Did y'all hear what I said in class Thursday? To your point of, are you listening?" I said, "Today." And then the rest of them said, "He said today." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah," because I can't, you know, be around all the time. But anyway, I said, "Say to Ariel, her creativity, her mind is so expansive." That she thinks in these rhythms and metaphors that if you are a teacher who is off put by that kind of thing, she would destroy you because she had you questioning yourself. And I hate to say it that way, but there are a lot of teachers and we need all the teachers we can get. But I just mentioned her because as you're talking and, and thinking about how when a student presents their whole self, you know, the teacher has to use that and she often comes like she writes music she plays the djembe she writes poetry she paints she and she was showing my colleague eric ruffin uh who is a a deeply deeply trained brilliant uh theater man uh he was she was showing him her portfolio so here's all this artwork that is brilliant he's like wow you did this yeah mixed media she got some sculpture in there she got some <laughs> then she then she had a thing of her playing the djembe with her ensemble all these brothers and sisters in st louis there then 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 she did a riff on Dred and harriet scott where she and her girlfriends are standing in the step stat- in front of the statue of Dred and harriet scott downtown uh st louis in front of the courthouse where Dred scott was trying and uh, where he filed his lawsuit i'm saying i have to say that now eric has a mind like that So what I watched in real time yesterday was him helping her figure out where to channel that because she wants to do this mixed media senior thesis. And I've gotten her to a point and I understand where she's going, but she needed somebody with those skills and a teacher. And so as you're describing the classroom that you were in and starting again, this, this Thursday past Thursday, when, when you encounter a student like that, a teacher has to be open to understand this is an exchange of knowledge. And so, then of course, when that class was over, I'm sure now the word goes forth, Professor Hunter, she gets it. That's how teachers get reputations for being, you know what I'm saying? What <laughs> because also, they know you can help me. This is what I came here for. Yes.
0: What I also said was, I teach because I, I love to learn. And every yes. semester, I, you know, so y'all are going to be my teachers this semester. I'm going to yes. learn about who you are, who your peoples are, because this is a people process That's journalism right. media is about people it's about understanding humanity and people and what makes people do the things that they do and in that understanding it allows you to form better questions because it's also really about digging and digging and digging to get to a truth some yeah. truth, some truth so yeah to that point i'm always excited and i was telling you off mic because it's a you know i've young people from all over but even if I didn't have young people from all over, I'd have I'd have young people from all over because everybody is bringing something unique and different into the space, and that is, you know, I'm pulling from to inform how I see the see the world, and that's what we should be doing here.
1: And now um, we're here, which is we the re, the renewed normal allows us to, oh, I got my new normal, I got the, that's the earlier, remember no. my new joiners, right. The renewed we normal. Evolving. We keep evolving. No question, uh, we keep evolving. It, it allows us now for this to be the center as we talked about last week. The The school year typically is late August through May or June, but not anymore. We have changed, I mean, COVID is a tragedy, COVID continues. COVID also stopped the world and, and we, got a, we got something our ancestors didn't get. We got a moment to sit and reframe. And now that it is reframed, it ain't never going back to the way it was. So yeah, we re, we both re-entered the classroom. And many people here in Nubia, many folks watching this later, have re-entered the classroom. We're going to talk about the classroom as it relates to student loans, I think, a little bit later. Right. But but at the same time, those classrooms are extensions of our governance formations, our structures. Now we can enhance, interact, and grow in a space that we control. Like I say, we have, as you say, sewn in. So now we've sown in and we're here and that can't be budged. That can't right. be budged. You know, I mean, reparations, the first rep and Ron Daniels knows this. Ron Daniels has taught this The National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. Shout out to Cobra. You know, I'm a member of the board now and, now and we talked about this. The first step in reparations is self-repair. You can't do that for us. And, you know, Dr. Daniels was over in Ghana. He was over in Rome and The MacArthur Foundation has gotten involved. This MIT African Futures Lab has gotten involved. I'm saying that's beautiful. You know, of course, they're in this to interfere. You do know that. Okay, so I don't, I have no doubt that you can flip and parlay some of that money to do some things, and that's fine. But please understand, help ain't always help if people have a different agenda. We'll talk about that a little bit differently, but later. But I'm saying, all I'm saying is the first step is self repair, no foundation, no corporation, no check nobody can do that for you if you take those resources and absorb and what we're doing here this is us this is us and that is the first reparations from there we we plan our tactics but yeah that's this is this is critical well,
0: you know part of that repair also has to be remembrance right so mm-hmm. um, as i'm reading and i just picked this up because i have uh, there's a medical book that i got and a few others but mirror to america and as i'm reading it i was like i, w- I know we've talked about john John Her- John Hope Franklin many many times.
1: You could you know, they were both born in 1915, which is crazy. John John Franklin and they knew each other well. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. That yeah. yeah, is crazy. <laughs> um, but in in on page um, 15, he's talking about Rentiesville being a little boy and his dad. You know, of course, Buck Franklin being this amazing human being who went to law school and you know got a law degree in a period of time when he couldn't really even practice or make money um but he was such a scholar but so he says there was a local feud the local feud so there was a feud happening in rentesville and what people don't know we talk black wall street Tulsa, Tulsa oklahoma but there were a lot of black thriving communities why because black people built the country so when we were when we walked out of enslavement what did we do built our own neighborhoods and built our own communities because that's all we knew how to do i don't so, know where, so right. from, where we forgot right. how to do that um right. but what we also did was feud So apparently, of course, he said the local feud had robbed the Rentiesville Trading Company, which my father had organized, of support. So the the rifts that happened in Rentiesville robbed the very foundation of the business that his father had helped to bring together. The Rentiesville Trading Company, my father had organized, of support and fueled the decline of his newspaper, The, the way in which information was disseminated. He said there were the final failures that persuaded my parents that this so-called utopia, this bastion of racial unity, this Eden where all were supposed to be sisters and brothers, it was a travesty. Having done absolutely all he could to survive and even improve his community, giving it everything he had to aid his development and prosperity, my father was now willing to acknowledge his efforts had failed and the time had come to seek better a better life. Even if it meant returning to a segregated community. And I think about Marcus Garvey and all the things he was trying to do and then have black people testify against him and folk just you know up in something that could have been beautiful if we all got involved. Well I'm you know I don't have a leadership position. Well, I'm not the one that started it. Well, it's not my face on the thing. so I'm not supporting I'm not supporting that because it's not you know it's not me centric. And I think More about weird
1: that. because I don't I, I don't know that I don't think we can win. And if they destroy you, are they coming for me next? That tactic works over and over again. When you crucify Malcolm or Martin, when you persecute a Muhammad Ali, or when you try to uh, attack a Nina Simone, or you call somebody crazy, and then people say, well, I'm not going to be the next one. And they say, well, we don't need you to do anything. We just need you to leave the door open. Okay. Or we just need you to, you know, tell us where Billie Holiday is going to score her uh, next. Okay, all right, that's not much. I mean, I love her, but I understand you the police, and I'm scared of y'all. I mean, that all that, like you said, and it breaks hearts. And then, like in the case of, of Buck Franklin, you know, this isn't an indictment of Buck Franklin at all. It takes a it takes a different kind of person to just take that L over and over again. That's who Marcus Garvey was. That's who Amy Jakes and Amy Ashwood Garvey were. We know going in, we're going to take an L. This is the afterlives of enslavement. This is what Amos Wilson writes about. He says, black on black violence in service of white domination. In other words, we, as Malcolm asked, who taught you to hate yourself? And that self-hatred is practiced on ourselves first and then our other selves in terms of other people. So yeah, as you're describing that, I often say this, I mean, you know, and I I look at our brother and friend and elder uh, Jeremiah Wright. You know, when they came for Jeremiah Wright, they came with everything they had. He's still standing. But at the same time, why didn't we punch back with everything we had? Because y'all scared.
0: Well, it also was like, well, if we do that, then maybe they won't elect the first black president as if somehow we were going to get a, some magic prize as a result of that election. But that's because we don't have any momentum of memory. But even in reading this, you know, it's like, you know, let's, let's leave because the CO- COINTELPRO wasn't a part of Rentiesville. You know, it was the, the the success that was burgeoning was a threat to somebody. And there's always gonna be boo birds in the corner or the Muppets in the balcony casting aspersion to anything that is moving in the direction of freedom because somehow success and freedom cast a light on people who are doing nothing.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: So so I, I just wanted to bring up Mirror to America um because I got this for free and I'm happy.
1: Yeah. Like, wait a minute.
0: So Rentisville could have been the
1: first Black Wall Street. Well, I mean, we know that, that Tulsa was being fed by. Various supply chains, not just human supply chains, but all those all black towns in Oklahoma, many of them were connected to the urban center and we know Tulsa shouldn't be there. They discovered oil and there was this boom in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And we know that, of course, the whole state of Oklahoma wasn't a state. It was a territory. That's where you forced the indigenous people and the Africans out to get rid of them as you colonized the southeast, the so-called Trail of Tears. And in fact, that's why I was mentioning uh, David his new book, Path to Lightning, on Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe from that territory, Sac and Fox. Jim Thorpe is from Oklahoma. And Moranza starts this with a story of dispossession. Dispossession. In fact, what he says here is uh, there was another myth at the center of the Thorpe story. Perhaps the greatest athlete in the history of the United States, an indigenous man, says a deeper and more pernicious myth than ha- that had to do with the history and treatment of the American Indian. The myth that the great white father knows best. Thorpe's life spanned a 65 year period when the dominant society believed the best way to deal with Indians was to rid them of their Indianness and make them as white as possible. It was that mentality that shaped Thorpe's life. I'll stop there because it's 600 pages and I I haven't been able to get into it the way I want. You know know what's
0: crazy? crazy? I have a a Filipino uh, young person in my class. Mm
1: -hmm. You said she almost said child. It's crazy because that's governance language. They are our children. I mean, because it's hard not to think of them that way. But anyway, go ahead. And then we put our clothes on for the social structure and say student. Student. (laughs) Uh,
0: From Tulsa, Oklahoma. From Tulsa. Yeah. So I said, did you, do you know about Greenwood? Have you, did you learn about Greenwood in school? So I said, how many people in this class, raise your hand. I heard of black wall street. Hmm. Not a single hand went up and I said, Thank "You're from Tulsa, including the one from Tulsa, Oklahoma, born and raised through the school system. Didn't hear. So, you know, I spent time on oh. that. I said, oh. so nobody watched Watchmen. Nobody saw lovecraft country. Nobody said okay. All right history lesson. And I said, you know, the importance of knowing history is that it also informs your journalism because the more the more you know, the better questions you can form, the more you can dig and go down rabbit holes to bring more things forth for, for people. So they got to learn about Tulsa uh as well. Yeah. So I mean it's a shame though. How do you, you know, go through a school system and not learn one thing oh. about the
1: most because, the to do in fact, that's the war there. The young brother who started the Wall Street Times there, uh, they're fighting in the Greenwood district to to, to, to claim uh, territory and space to self determine because we know that uh, the folks who are here to help now out of the social structure are here to interfere. Meaning even with the best intentions, it's interference. In other words, we think you should do this. We think you should do this. Okay, well, how about we tell you what we think and then you figure out how you can assist in helping us with what we think? No, we want to be at the table. No, you want to be the table and you want us at your table. And then you plot and plan. So yeah, it is the school district in, in Tulsa, there's a real, there's a major fight there. know i think about dr crutcher i think about um so many other demario simmons i mean there's so many other people in tulsa i don't want to start naming folks because you can't name everybody and there are so many who are fighting and part of the fight is that the school district you know that wonderful governor of florida who i really embrace with both hands i really think uh that ron santis is doing the is doing a fine job i want you i encourage him to continue uh to do that he just suspended some elected school board members in florida around these issues. And the reason I say that, I'm not saying that ironically, I mean it. Because see, DeSantis is going to destroy the, the settler project. And that's what it's going to take. You say, are you, are you advocating violence? Absolutely. Intellectual warfare. You understand? This is what Jacob Carruthers wrote about and talked about. Intellectual warfare. Ron DeSantis is uh, a white nationalist, a fascist. Um, And he is doing a remarkable job of leaving people with no place to hide, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. In fact, I should uh, give a shout out. I was just uh, anyway. Let me stop because we'll go back a couple of weeks and thinking, of course, about uh, Lamont Dozier. But I'm saying all that to say that that curriculum is doing what it's supposed to do, wherever it is, whether it be Texas, whether it be Florida, whether it be the book banning that is going on. I was listening to uh, one of the officials from the American Library Association. And shout out, we've talked about them many times and we'll talk about them many more times, the black librarians around the country. But what this uh, lady was talking about was these book banning lists, you know, elementary schools, junior high schools, high schools. And of course, we pay for those books. So the book that you got, those books that you got for free, Professor Hunter, you paid for them with your taxes. Those were paid for. And so you just kind of recovering it, but then, and I'm always amazed at library sales. When I see books, particularly I buy books that are um, rare, out of print, and should be on shelves, I ask myself, how, why am I walking home with another copy of this book I already have to give to somebody or to put somewhere that they can get their hands on it? And and I bought several copies of, 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 of John Hope Franklin's memoir over the years since it came out and and given them away. But I'm saying all that to say that when you think about people banning books because they don't like the gender uh, orientation in the children's book or they don't want any books on black folk. I wonder if John Hope Franklin's book is now in your possession in library and you're sharing it with us because somebody said get rid of this book. Who's making the deaccessioning decisions? You understand? Who threw this book Away or basically get back to us, and I'll end with this while that battle is going on and it is a long and noble fight, a long and noble fight, one that I'm proud to say I was recruited into as a younger adult. And so I got to work with and be up close with a lot of those great warriors, the Asa Herods and the Barbara Sizemores, the Kwame Kenyatas and K. Lovelace's. I mean, you start naming the African-Centered Schools of Detroit and Kansas City and Atlanta and Philly and D.C. and New York. I mean, so Baba Tuwayusi and the, uh, the Council of Independent Black Institutions, Baba Hannibal Tyreek out of Chicago. I mean, so, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to have been recruited in that, because what I got to see up close is that there are always two things in that war, that intellectual war. While you are fighting, because as Jake Carrellas used to always say, while we got these African-centered schools and formations, our children are in the public schools, so we have to intervene on their behalf. So while the Charcy McIntyres and while the Marimba Anees and while so many others were battling in the public schools to get this in, and then private schools too to get this in. The other thing, the main thing was they were, we were, we are developing our own centers, our own work so that while uh, Anife Carruthers in Chicago was a public school teacher for many years in the public school she's also a member of the comedic Institute and in developing curriculum there and on Saturdays they had something called teaching about Africa where they would bring the school teachers of Chicago in and talk about curriculum development expose them to content workshop ideas well guess what here we are here we are now what is Nubia what is narrative it is an extension of that long arc of grounded, self-determining, intellectual work that then connects to those other spaces in the social structure. We don't concede an inch, but we don't orient ourselves in a fight because when you orient yourself in a fight, your whole identity becomes fighting. But we're here. So they're doing what they're supposed to do. The question is, will we do what we're supposed to do? I embrace Ron DeSantis. I love his the way he thinks, the way he moves because he's taking away all of the places to hide. You are my open enemy. But worse still, you open enemy yourself and all of humanity, governor. Mm. And, and so come on, baby. As uh, Marimba need used to say, Bola Kaja, come on down. Let's fight. Let's dance. Because I know that your ankle's going to break about three seconds into the dance. You <laughs> see? And in the words of Michael Joseph Jackson, Billie Jean, one of the great lyrics in American songbook, be careful what you do when the lie becomes the truth. You understand? So if you're looking for the truth in your child's curriculum at school, you fight to get something in there, but don't bring that stuff over here because we are pouring the clean glasses of water. Mm. We're not going to be a slave to the rhythm to evoke another Michael Jackson. So we're not going to be a slave to the rhythm. (laughs) Anyway.
0: So this this, uh, week uh, President uh, Biden uh, forgave $10,000 for people making under $125,000 student loan debt and $20,000 for those who have had Pell Grants. Um, For some reason, that was very controversial. (laughs) Like, did the previous two presidents, three presidents? I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know if the forgiveness, any forgiveness happened. And if y'all cared about all forgiveness, you should have elected Elizabeth Warren. That's how I feel, because she said she was she was going to do, cancel all that. So, if you about that was an important issue, you should have voted for Elizabeth Warren. How about that? So, uh, about your that. thoughts on that? I, I don't really have a, a dog in this race because I never had student loans full disclosure. you got a, You got a dog in it. Okay, tell me where my
1: dog is. The dog is all around us. I mean, I think by that <laughs> the dog is all around us. Oh, Lord have mercy.
0: In- personally, like it's a personal, like I, oh, I see I spent 20 years paying off my loans, and now these people get in the Republicans were getting cute with the, you know, well, the doctors were paying the working class, the farmers, the people that never went to school, they're paying for doctors and lawyers and these elite liberals. And then the White House was clapping back. They got a young person from Rutgers, uh, who's handling their social media saying, Oh, this you? Didn't you get a a million dollars in the PPP? That you, could, gotta was
1: love, you gotta love it.
0: Didn't you get four hundred and eighty one thousand dollars, Marjorie Telgrate? That was forgiven. Oh, okay. Is this you? Wait, okay. So they everybody. You, Matt
1: Gates, you got a half million. Was, I hope you ain't spending on young girls, but you got a half million, and and and, and, and that's my money. Give my money back, Matt. Right. <laughs> Give my money back because every dollar is our money. Now nah, that that's that's a false. That's a false. uh I think it's we know it's the false thing. I mean, let, let, let's talk about. it. I mean, let, let's let's talk oh, about.
0: I, I've all, I never operate in a personal. Like you know, I pay I pay school taxes for kids I don't have now. How about I
1: never
0: that? Never once complained about it. You know, you know, I pay a lot of taxes. I pay an enormous amount of taxes, and I never complain about it because what that means is that first of all, the hard work that I put in. Has paid off. Um, I'm not looking for shelters. I'm not looking for you know some sort of scammy way to, to hide my money. I, I'm not looking for sovereignty, you know, so I can go to jail for several years from right. now. And, right. and I do believe, you know, I, <laughs> I, do, I do believe that um, you know we should have sovereignty, black people. But th- there's a process to that as well. And you know, and it and starts there are in with-
1: spaces like this one that we can have and make on our way to the other one. Yes. I mean, yeah, so- the, the nation state is eroding y'all. That day will come. We, some of us may live to see it, but in the meantime, are we prepared for when that day comes? Because when California so- says 2035, no more cars that burn gas in the state, you know, these hillbillies are going to sue and they're going to lose because clean air act gives them that power. But guess what? It may not be no United States in 2050 because California can break off. The Northeast states can cluster. And I'm saying, but in the meantime, when that happens and it's going to happen, trust when it happens, are we ready for what comes next? Because that's when you get a chance to build a society you want to be in. This thing ain't got to stay together for that. In fact, the United States of America, arguably for those of us who live in the U.S. in this conversation, you know, is probably the biggest impediment to human progress because we're carrying places where whole ass racists love it. And they rely on the things staying together for them to continue to hide their criminal enterprise. If you walk away from it, and this ain't the first time when you read Richard Crichton's book, Break It Up, he goes in detail. He says the, the, the unifying thread of American history is dissension and secession, not unity. Not unity. Over the slavery question, we Lord Garrison and them boys like, just let them go. Why do you keep We can foment rebellions in the South and the northern states don't need to continue to prop these cats up. It's coming. So to your to your observation, sovereignty, and we talked about sovereignty before, sovereignty is a recent concept in the human imagination, and there are many ways to be sovereign. This is a sovereign space. Mm-hmm. And In fact, you know where I found myself, Prof, I don't know if you experienced this last week when you went back into the formal classroom in terms of the university system. I know I've been experiencing it. When you be around people who are free, You forget how to talk guardedly. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's certain things I'm like. I'm good. I ain't got to worry about (laughs) y'all. Not that I was ever guarded like that. um,
0: As I said to my students, I I don't think I I haven't cold switched since I was 23.
1: (laughs) Word facts. I
0: haven't haven't, you know guarded my speech, which is why you know I'm not where some people are right now, but, you know, if you live your life in comparison, you're going to always be disappointed. Oh. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at the time that I'm supposed to be here. And being free this long has made me, as I was saying to you off mic, prepared in another kind of way for all that is to come. And uh, actually enjoy, I actually enjoy a, a jab or two.
1: No question. Yes. I I give my it. Look, look at So yeah, the student loan thing, I think, but before we, before we get to that, I do want to mark, because I think that and I want to use this as an example of classroom and what it means, you know, uh, Jacques Berliner Blau a few years ago wrote a book called Campus Confidential. He's professor at Georgetown. And one of the things he says is, you know, we have to be careful when we're in classrooms because as he, he, he used this phrase I thought was interesting. He said, there, there are often truly unfortunate things that are said in classrooms, Mm. meaning that students in particular will say things in unguarded moments that You know, young people will say. And in attempting to grapple with ideas and kind of guide the space in some ways, professors will say things that are that are that are truly unfortunate. But one of the things Professor Belenabla says is he says those things have to happen because they are human things. That's what the learning experience involves. The minute we start trying to be artificial is the minute we mess up. But of course, in the social structure, educational system we find ourselves in, uh, it is often, uh, we censor ourselves. It's another reason why in, in the Nubia space that we uh, have, have established and now continue to build a momentum is so valuable because we can have serious conversations in ways that, you know, we generosity has to be at the center of our conversation. We have to be generous with each other.
0: So so there's a scripture, the overflow of the heart. And um, mm. I think a lot of us need to, Check our hearts, our heart condition, as Reverend Barber would say. America has a heart condition, you know. To to have a pure, pure heart, whatever that means. Even even the quote unquote miss speaking that some of us do, this is an opportunity to learn. Sometimes you have to hear things out loud and then have it bounce back to you to say, that's that's stupid, <laughs> or like why did I say that or why do I think that? To have the the freedom to be able to do that. I think it is paramount to our development as human beings, right? So, That's right to always worry, all right, if I say this, this is gonna, because you don't know, you don't know. But if your heart is pure, meaning I have no ill will, I have no ill intention, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, I'm not, you know, hurt people, hurt people. So, like, let me do the work to not be that person. But I'm truly learning, like, you know, as things evolve and what's offensive and what's not. And if the goal is to not offend, okay, I can. Change my language. All right. I said something that offended you. I'm processing it. Yes, you probably shouldn't be offended, but okay, can I say it differently so I'm not offending you until you work your thing out? Yeah. Yeah, I can. It doesn't hurt me to change up my uh-huh. language. So sometimes
1: so you can't though sometimes no matter what you say it's going to be offensive because of that,
0: that person's in deep pain and
1: needs. that's
0: right you do a thing and then you eradicate that person from your life if you can but i think a lot of it is our hearts are it's a lot of people walk around with really bad hearts so they, no they so long you know uh, hidden and so <laughs> now they don't even know how to communicate in a framework that's not phony or, yeah. or oh i love it here
1: phony i, I love it here too I love it here too, and that—that—that that, that, that actually, yeah, that's the example. That's that that that. Mm, yeah, that learning space, and this is why I said, you know, here we are near the end of Black August, and we talked about Black August uh, a number of times, and we'll continue to talk about Black August. Free all political prisoners. Create a different society. Never forget those who made the uh, the the ultimate sacrifice on this side of existence paying with their lives and never forget those who continue to be incarcerated and locked now in a society that is so hell-bent on exterminating itself beginning with those of african descent in so many ways and in indigenous people so here we are near the end and and you know i was kind of joking but not really i was talking to uh my friend and, and sister shana terrell who uh works at the center for black educator development our brother sharif l um uh, trying to recruit black teachers Y'all tell us the student loans as we, as we talk a little bit more, the, you know, we were talking about Black August this week and, you know, and I said, and she mentioned Michael Jackson. She said, "Daddy, Carl, we're going to have to do a whole time, t- 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 we're just going to talk about Michael Jackson on day. It just came up. And so I said, uh, a check, check, uh, look it up right quick. When was Michael Jackson born? And she looks said, August oh, 29th. Yeah. I mean, it's just coincidence, Black August, but it made me think about it because, uh, and those, you know, everybody here, whether you're in Nubia uh, now or later on watching, you know, what's your favorite Michael Jackson song? This is what I'm saying. Now, I'm, I'm bringing it up because bringing up Michael Jackson, uh, maybe about four or five, three or four years ago, before COVID, maybe the year before COVID, caused a truly unfortunate moment for me. Uh, this was uh, when uh, I was still co-teaching with Dana Williams, the freshman seminar course at Howard. And let me pause and thank uh, Ruben Patterson, the Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences and whoever other administrators were that took that from us and destroyed that method. And also thanks to the person who couldn't say with her whole chest in public what she said in the meeting, which was this class was too Afrocentric. Shout out to you because I want to thank you all for freeing me up, Uh, although I will miss being able to bring to these young people. Uh, the elders, many of whom now are ancestors, whether it be Eleanor Trailer or Toby Benjamin, Ellen Trailer still with us, Toby Benjamin, an ancestor, Kane Hope Felder, uh, Leslie Fenwick, Lisa Croons Robinson, so many others over the years, Alton Pollard, I'm thinking about all the the uh, Jules Harrell, you know, Mario Beatty, so many others, Kolaba Mbola, Segum Barageshin james donaldson over the years at the mefra i'm thinking about these these are these are master teachers who young people got to be introduced to and interact with and we would have them read books you know and then the authors would come so over the years you know and guiwa tiango where so many others involved but now that's all over and because they decided well that was too black and i understand because you know you're scared don't be scared but be scared don't matter because we know that the hbcus don't belong to any one individual anyone faculty member, any one teacher, they belong to us and they're in trust for us. And there are many ways to overrun the white uh, blackface whiteness in many of these things. This was a fight for the black university in the 60s and 70s, but I, that's a that's a backdrop. When I, when we were still doing it and we did it for about know, it was about 15 years we had the momentum and then inherited it from previous generation, but now they've thrown it into full reverse on the hell they're doing now. But uh it was about maybe four years ago. I would give a talk near the beginning of the semester. This was a class, 50 minutes. And we had all the freshmen in the College of Arts and Sciences, which meant sometimes that would be as many as 1,400 or plus students. Well, there's no, there's no classroom that can hold 1,400. So we had to be in Cranston Auditorium. Shout out to Kim Banks and uh, Brother Pat and TJ and all the, fa- all the folks who run Cranston Auditorium. As usual at these institutions, it is the people who do that work, the staff, that make everything possible. So we split them up. So we would have a 50-minute session on tuesday nights i was responsible for leading that conversation and getting out of the way as we brought in our group projects and people coming in talking interacting and that williams did uh wednesday afternoons so we set up the time so students could pick one of the two depending on their schedule and then we slot them in so 700 one night 700 one afternoon well um, the day that i gave a talk that i had given variations of and they're floating around in fact i may even bring that over into Nubia into narrative it's out there on youtube i did several over the years they've been posted morms called learn the title was always learning wisdom and african world experiences because we're going to ground these young people coming into a black college into the long genealogy of of africana thinking traditions which begin of course with the beginning of humanity so i would begin that discussion Every time I gave it, as the students were coming into the auditorium, and they loved this because I always played music. It could be John Coltrane. It could be Nina Simone. Uh, I opened class this past Tuesday with uh, Black Thought, Thought Versus Everybody, which is one of my favorites. And then, of course, on Thursday, I did Teddy Pendergrass singing Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, Wake Up Everybody. So at any rate, you know, that kind of thing. So you can imagine coming to the auditorium, and I would have a on the screen as the students would come in, remember the time. Michael Joseph Jackson, do you remember the time? when we fell in love. And of course, that video, uh, John Singleton, I guess, directed. You know, you got Maggie Johnson, you've got Iman playing Nefertiti, you got Mike in the middle of it, you got Tiny Lister, you got uh, all these folks, Eddie Murphy playing Ramsey's, I suppose, Ramsey's gloss. And I would use that as a point of entry for two reasons. Number one, you know, whatever Michael Jackson was or wasn't, in terms of cultural meaning making, he grounds a moment in time and space, the cultural meaning making category. What art, what music, what texts and practices did Africans create in this moment to mark their moment in time and space? So, for decades, Michael Jackson, born 64 years ago uh, on August 29th, he also represents, in terms of movement and memory, these anchors on how we did or do remember this experience and i resisted the urge to go and pull all my michael jackson books and i have all of them there's one in particular that um richard LeCourc and francois Allard edited a few years ago called um oh what's it called um michael jackson all the lyrics if you get it ha- get your hands on that book it's all the lyrics of all the michael jackson songs the backdrops the context who wrote stuff you know he was very proud of the fact that um i think Don't stop till you get enough. That was the first one he said he wrote completely just him. 1979, of course, off the wall. And I I would play Remember the Time. So I had it playing. And it was always interesting. These are a bunch of 18-year-olds. Every year, without fail, without fail, you get these hundreds of young people playing. And so I would time it. The class started at 6.10, 6.10 p.m. So I would start the video at because we needed every one in 50 minutes i would usually start i would have music playing before that you know the intruders i like that old school stuff right didn't i blow your mind this time this kind of thing and young people come in sometimes they would say you this this seems like walking in my grandma's house yeah because because energy is a vibe cultural meaning making you want that so i would start the video usually about 606 because it's longer than four minutes but it would ease in and by then everybody was there So they came, they would come in, they would see, they come in now, you see them, and they up watching, they kind of moving, dancing. And then Michael Jackson, of course, because, you know, the thing starts with a kind of narrative, right? Then Jackson starts singing. You know, do you remember ah, when we fell in love? We were young and innocent then. These are 18 year olds. Do you remember? ah? (laughs) You know, these are young people. You weren't there. You were not there when Remember the Time was recorded. That's from the Dangerous album, 1999, 1991. Now, I did pull a little book Susan Fast wrote. I'm ah, not really, but she, she wrote a little book called Dangerous, right? She says Dangerous is the album that you want to get to see another change in Michael Jackson, 1991. Not bad, not, uh, not off thriller, not off the wall, not with the Jackson 5. But when you think about it, you know, you have In the Closet on there something about that baby that makes me want to give it to you and i saying why do you choose that song she writes about all that uh remember the time of course heal the world black or white people kind of obsess on black or white but one of the, one of the theses that fast proposes she says while people were talking about michael jackson and mutilating his face and skin his music was always black and it seemed like it got blacker now, if you've ever seen the video for you know. Uh, all I want to say is that they don't really care about us. There are two versions. One is in the prison and the other is in Brazil, in the streets of Brazil with Olo Doom, which is one of the, uh, the, the, the the music groups, social groups, governance structure groups in Brazil. And so, you know, when I think about that, dangerous, you know, all those kind of things, as I'm playing, remember the time. When he gets to the point where the dancers come out, you know, Big Les and all them and all the dancers and he got them all... You know, and, I, and as I explained to them later, you know, Michael Jackson did more for breaking down and assaulting the wall that the Egyptians were not black than probably anybody in the history of U.S. popular culture, maybe global popular culture. Why? Because Michael Jackson made everybody black in their video. And it was a very deliberate choice across the color range. So when he's like, do you remember girl, in the park? On the scene, you and me, what about us, girl? You see these 18-year-olds singing word for word something that they weren't even alive when it was published. And then they all started doing the same dance moves, right? You know how you do the dance. I'm like, and it would never cease to amaze me. That's movement and memory. How did it do Africans remember this experience? Anyway, that ain't even the whole point of it. So now we'll get into the conversation. I wanted to have learning wisdom and Africana world experiences. And I would talk about a, a great deal of other things. And I would bring in another uh, piece of that video and show it and then you, but it, but it wasn't even about remember the time. During the conversation part, because I would talk, it's a 50 minute class, somewhere around quarter till, I tried to leave at least 15 minutes sometimes more. We would have conversations, 700 people. So we had microphones and, uh, you know, so let's talk. And we had it set up so they could tweet, and we could project it so people could, you know, have. We want to engage them. How do you teach a large class? You don't teach a large class if you never taught a large class. There's a lot of trial and error, a lot of unfortunate work over a decade and a half. We got to that point, and now to have thrown all that in the trash is a tremendous and almost exquisite uh, display of ignorance. But I understand what animates it. You don't, you know, you don't think we can win, and I understand. You, you got to do that because you, you got to be afraid, be very afraid. But at any rate. So a young lady gets up, comes to the microphone says, before we talk about anything else, I want to talk about why would you show Michael Jackson when he's a child molester? Truly unfortunate thing sitting in the classroom. And I paused. And if you're a teacher, here's the challenge. Generosity of spirit. This is a young person. This is a human being. And You got to hear that you have to internalize it. You have to respond in that moment, which you only have a split second because a lot of people in here. And in that moment, the energy cannot shift from this momentum that we've developed in terms of grounding and memory to this kind of response to this serious. Allegation, serious assertion. Because that will be all it becomes about. And we weren't talking about any of that. So in that moment, I said that is an important question. And I don't divide a person from their craft. So I need to think about what you said. And rather than go through the litany of trials, which, of course, I could very prepared to go through, even at that moment. I hadn't thought about that as a question, but I could have gone through, you know, the, the, the chronology of the trials and all this kind of thing. But that's not really what that question was about. In fact, I don't even really know what that question is about. Was this about something that happened to you? And again, got to remember, this is somebody's common humanity. We're having this conversation. I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do between tonight, Monday night and tomorrow. Tuesday afternoon, I'm going to think about that and I'm going to rewrite my talk. And if you I said, do you have 50 minutes uh, on tomorrow afternoon? 12, 10 to one. When we do the second the second uh Class session, which usually I get the same talk twice. Everybody does, you know, about five of us. And then we open up, we do a common text. We read Barracoon, we read, as I said, something torn and new, so many other books. And we have a group project. But I said, I will, I'm going to change everything. I'm, I heard what you said. I'm going to think about that. So overnight, I stayed up, labored with that. And I came back, still play room at the time, and changed my whole conversation to ask the question of, how we use celebrities as teachers and why we use celebrities as teachers and how somebody like Michael Jackson becomes a, a teacher for people who never come into universities. I'm coming to student debt. You know I am. There's a squeak of my old chairs. It breaks apart because this chair has... A, let me see if I can find this. I think I put this in my bag. I just picked this up a couple of weeks ago. Is this... Yeah, here we go. Grant for red who uh, is Interesting in academic. He just wrote a book called Only a Black Athlete Can Save Us Now. He's been writing these little books at the University of Minnesota Press. These little idea books, not very long, just a little over 100 pages. And he's raising this question he says, he, about athletes, he says, only a black athlete can save us now. It uses sport as a point of departure to argue that the dystopic crisis of our current moment offers a singular opportunity to reimagine how we live in the world. Okay, that's cute. But he's coming with the point of entry. He's asking the question, how come athletes become have to become the social spokespeople? Because in this society, and he's not saying this, I'm saying this, in the social structure we live in, black people run, jump, sing, entertain. So, any commentary on the conditions of African people, those are the most visible people to the social structure. So, what that has done is bleed into our governance formation. So, we start listening to ball players and singers on social movements. That is utterly absurd. However, the social structure has kind of commanded that. Now, here come Michael Joseph Jackson, his brothers and sisters out of Gary, Indiana. And they burst upon the scene out of a self-determining space, a Motown space, and then ultimately uh, beyond that, overflow the boundaries of that and insert themselves in social structure, not just in the U.S., but the world. And Michael, of course, at the center of that. Well, now anything come out of his mouth is going to be listened to. And, the, and, and, and as people are filling up, and I'm looking to chat in a minute to see who got their favorites. You know, when you hear him. I think about another sister who made transition in my hometown of Nashville, actually, uh, the great Donna Summer, who I always, you know, who's all in love with Donna Summer as children. When you hear she works hard for the money, you know, people say, that's an empowerment anthem. That's an empowerment anthem. But then when you hear Slade to the rhythm, she dances in these sheets at night. She dances to his needs. This is Michael Jackson. She dances till he feels just right until he falls asleep. I'm saying, do you hear Michael Jackson? Now everybody dancing and they singing. She dances at the crack of dawn and quickly cooks his food. How many of us, and by us, I mean y'all, you know, black women. She can't be late, can't take too long. The kids must go to school. Mm, she's a slave to the rhythm. That's beyond she worked hard for the money. She's a slave to the rhythm, slave to the rhythm, the rhythm of love, rhythm of love. She's a slave to the rhythm. Ri- We're all slaves to the rhythm of this social structure. But if you are a woman, if you are a woman, Michael Jackson, did he molest? Was he a pedophile? Was he fascinated with little boys? Hold on, hold on. And when I said that next day, and then after the, the, the conversation was over, and I won't go into the conversation I said, cause it was a whole lot more to it. I mean, I really got into this whole thing. And I focused in, in part when I was talking about Michael Jackson, I took a quote from Wesley Snipes who was with him when they shot the bad video, they were in South Africa. And he said, I came into Michael Jackson's room and he was surrounded with books. You know, Michael Jackson is reported and Prince was reported to have large collections of African, African-American, African diaspora history books. Jackson had this big collection. And Wesley Snipes says, I came in, what are you doing? I'm reading Autobiography of Malcolm X, all these other books. And I'm taking a direct quote. And then I'm talking about how uh, Wesley Snipes said, for Michael Jackson, it's very important that the history and culture get into his music because everybody was looking at him. I'm saying this is a complicated conversation. Now, that led to a whole nother thing, because when we I finished at noon, because in the middle of the day, nobody's in the auditorium. I was in there. We were in there for another couple of hours because those students who I had said, y'all there, y'all here on Monday night when this question was asked and we having this conversation, I told y'all I'm going to do my best to think through this. And then tomorrow we're going to have this conversation. I said, if y'all got time tomorrow, come on back. A lot of those students came back. And then the students who were there on Wednesday hadn't been there Monday night. But of course, these young people in the group meets and they on social media. So of course, the conversation that overflowed the boundaries of the literal place and we tape it. So they're there anticipating. And I stayed with those students for as long as, as they wanted. And as long as I, not as long as I wanted, I'd have been there until it's the time for my class over the law school at 6 p.m. But we're in there having conversations and including the young sister who asked that question, she was satisfied. We didn't see eye to eye ultimately on several things, but it wasn't because we didn't have the generosity of spirit or the love for each other, the rhythm of love, the rhythm of love, thinking about Michael Jackson. But but what I really came to in that conversation was, um, you know, and I asked them, I said, how many of y'all in elementary school or junior high school or high school marched into your ceremony, your move up ceremony, if you're in junior high school or middle school, the elementary school, your pretend graduation ceremony, and high school, your graduation ceremony last year? How many of you marched into? i'm that star up in the sky Hmm. yeah i'm the world's greatest i'm that little bit of hope they look how many of y'all sang that song in the talent show i am a tall tree oh i am Anybody ask you who I am? Are you serious right now, Rob? Anybody ask you who you are? Stand up straight, look them in the eye and say, a convicted, wait, no, but you didn't say that. I say, now, here's the thing. In the street, you say, I don't listen to R. Kelly's music. At home, you never stopped. If you're telling the truth question is, why can't you say that in the street? Because it is unacceptable and should be unacceptable. Michael Jackson tried, quit it, settled. Okay, why he settled? The guy's a public figure. We will never know the full scope. However, we know the social structure. If they're involved, they're not there to help you. They're there to interfere. And so whether it be, if they say why, why, tell them that it's human nature why come on i want y'all to think about these 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 lyrics again uh i'm looking at the man in the mirror i'm saying i'm not caping for michael jackson but what i am doing coming back to my young sister ariel uh who is a poet she always talking to me about and us about her teachers about writing in and she's an Africana studies major, and she studied Egyptian hieroglyphs. So to watch this young people, person absorb all this from the streets of St. Louis, and I mean literally the streets of Hood, St. Louis, I mean, brilliant young person. To see her absorb that and then make it her own, she's always talking about the, what the Egyptians would call the economy of language. As Ayukwe Arma says, use the best of words. Don't use all the words, as Shegun Barageshin told me and taught me. And his young protege, uh, Kola Abambola, whose father, Wande Abambola, is one of the great Babalows, and, and Kola himself is a Babalow. And as they used to give this talk to the freshmen uh, in College of Arts and Sciences, called, the whole idea of being generosity and being a person of community, they would always say, you know, to say a thing, you don't have to use up all the words in your mouth. The economy of language. Poets understand that very well. Musicians understand that very well. Michael Jackson is seen by everybody. He's putting into the lyrics, which seem very simple, as you're dancing and thinking, but they also resonate right here. And it isn't just the love songs. It's not just "She's Out of My Life," or it's not just Ben. He's singing to a rat. You need to listen. You know, Quincy Jones. I want to work with this cat. Why? Because he's singing "You Can't Win." You can't break even, you can't get out of the game. Now, some of y'all gonna leave here and go play Michael Jackson the rest of the weekend. I know how it works. You understand, as Howard Thurman said, uh, when you reduce ideas to a rote repetition, they can become dogma. Once they become dogma, they are dead. It It was Howard Thurman, the theologian, talking about religion, really, when he was talking about that. He said, so the only way an idea can really spread a deep idea that resonates from within with us as we hear it and engage it is through what he said, contagion. It spreads through contagion. So I know, you know, Michael Jackson, contagious. I know, I understand. I understand. So, uh, but don't stop till you get enough. But the whole point is that as we were talking, we came to this kind of understanding of the power of speech, the power of music, the power of the jolly. The French would call it the griots, the music with the speech. And then, listening to Ariel the other day, we were sitting around talking, and me and Hiley and some other folks sitting around. And uh, Christina Joy, one of the booksellers of Sankofa, we sitting in the back having this conversation. She's walking us through her visual art. She's showing, you know, as I said, Professor Ruffin, her portfolio. Which I, and she's grappling with this concept of how do I communicate and how do I communicate what I'm experiencing that is what we experience now, student loans. Hell, has any of that got to do with student loans? These conversations I'm talking about right now, the one that took place in the freshman seminar, the now defunct freshman seminar, sitting near with Ariel and them, you know where they took place? They took place on, and in the case of the one we had, I'm talking about the economy of language, just off at Sankofa, a university campus. How it costs over $50,000 a year to go to school. So, this child I'm talking to taking out student loans. And on Thursday morning after the announcement from the president of the United States that if you make less than $125,000 a year or if you're in a household where the income is less than a quarter million a year, you can have up to $10,000 of your student debt forgiven. And that may not seem like a lot. We're going to come to that in a second. And if you are Pell Grant eligible and forty over 40% of the people in the United States who take out loans who are Pell Grant eligible know that you can get your tax money back to apply to going to school and shout out to the great Adam Clayton Powell an architect of that well 40% of those people are of African descent over 40% of those people are of African descent so if you are Pell Grant eligible you can get up to $20,000 of your debt uh, retired well the bottom line then becomes the, que- the question becomes, number one, why did you go to school? And also, not only why did you go to school, but, you know, what do you want to do with that degree? And what are you trying to do with that degree? So when I'm looking at a young person like Ariel, who's Pell Grant eligible, like I was in Nashville, Tennessee State. But from 1983 to 1987, when I was an undergraduate at Tennessee State, tuition was less than $1,000 a semester. In fact, it might have been $1,000 a year. Cause I worked my way through school. And as I told young people, I told them this last week on Thursday, when we in my education in black America class I had built in time, flexible time. Cause as you say, the thing, you know, changes. I said, we're gonna spend this morning talking about this Biden plan. And I want y'all to help me understand some things because tonight I've got to go talk uh, to a group called the Howard Hampton Morgan State Alliance. It is an alliance of educators and educator administrators, educational administration from Howard Hampton Morgan State, the Community College of Rhode Island, Prince George's Community College, the University of District of Columbia Community College, and uh, there's one other Thomas Nelson Community College about they they meet like yearly, and shout out to uh, Kamala there now who runs their program out of Howard, Dana Williams, the dean of the graduate school. Again, my co-teaching partner for many years in freshman seminar. But they gather on Howard's campus uh, and other places uh, annually to discuss how to recruit more teachers into these institutions, building the teacher pipeline. And they asked me just about every year to give a talk, and they asked me to give the keynote address Thursday night on the topic of the value of HBCUs, fellow citizens, to quote, Frederick Douglass, why do you ask me here today? I've been growing wild and newbie. For some, I mean, I'm, I I, uh, yeah, I still perform my duties. I teach my classes. I teach more students than anybody out. I mean, I'm, I'm there. And I'm not saying that as a humble brag. I'm saying it to say i do my job now. I'm going to do my job. But I'm doing it now in a way that is oriented around the fact that, as our brother uh, Freddie Haynes said at, at Jeremiah Wright's uh, retirement uh, um, sermon in May, of this year on the campus of Howard University, literally outside under the sky. You know, he said, you know, Daddy Car. now you are involved in a process where we're all now learning and, and exchanging and teaching. And I say, man, look, it's an honor to be in that space because this is the renewed normal. The, the higher education is not normal. It was set up as I was having this conversation Wednesday night with my law students. We read a little piece from a book by James Brundage called the let me see if I have it. I'll show it to you. Yeah, why not? because it's sitting right here I had it's called the medieval origins of the legal profession i want them to know because law students generally don't learn the history of where the law schools came from and the law as a western concept comes from it comes from the church well what also came from the church was the university system the idea that you got a teacher they talk to you you write stuff down spit it back at them and then they bring you into the club licensure right well we're not going to change that overnight we may never change it in the western structure it may just have to collapse but since this is the structure we live in, in the social structure, we find ourselves caught up in it in order to advance our interests. And this is where I'm going with this in time at the student loans. On Thursday morning, I told them I got to go talk to this alliance tonight. I'll be back on campus at six. But this morning, I want to ask you all about these student loans. And I want to ask you about what that means in the real life, in your real life experiences. I know what it would mean for me if I still owed money after all these years. And I don't. But. My loans altogether, and I took out a couple of loans, but it was more for cushion. And as I tell young people, if you got to take out loans your first year in college, go ahead, do what you need to do. By the way, this loan forgiveness applies to Parent PLUS loans. And we know some of y'all know about that Parent PLUS loan because you signed it. Meaning what? You paying your child's debt and some of y'all still got student debt from your years. So this becomes a difficult thing to manage. In other words, this ain't no small thing to happen. It ain't the 50000 Listen, I'm with Nina Turner. I am with uh, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley and so many others who pressed for the, the, the Progressive Caucus and the CBC as well. You pressed for 50,000, some of them, many of them. I'm with that, but let's be clear. 10 to 20 ain't no small thing. If you're Pell eligible, this was calibrated to help you the most. But anyway. I tell these young people, bust your ass, get that 4.0 if you can, your first year, and then go look for that scholarship money from the institution if they have some. Get, get, get that money. And because that's what I did. You know, I wasn't a great student coming out of uh high school. Now, uh, and the high school system is completely broken. I mean, in fact, I might as well stop there and pause and, and and evoke a book that just came out that uh and I'm gonna talk about that in the context of something else in a minute. Oh, I thought I had it here. Maybe I don't. Uh, Gary Orfield's book that uh thought I had. Anyway, not important. The thesis of this book is that this system is broken and in order to fix it, it's going to take radical restructuring and debt is how this thing has exploded. And the debt isn't about the government obligation. It's about these private lenders and these other people who are making money off of this social structure that has you thinking you have to go to go to college, get a degree, and you got to get licensure and all that. Anyway, to the point. Thursday morning You know, everybody heard the news. So what we did was read through the president's remarks, the United States remarks. And what we did was also flesh out the implications of that. Let's talk about that a little bit, what this actually means. The big news, the news of the week. Unfortunately, the news of the week wasn't what's going on in Ethiopia. The conflicts have resumed. Prayers to all of the folks in Ethiopia, Eritrea, all the battles that are going on in the Tigray region of Ethiopia. You know, they, there was a there was a place bomb yesterday, some children were killed. You know, where the hell is the United States on this? On the United States' side, they don't give a damn about Africans. Uh, in Haiti, they're in protest, they're saying that uh Henri, the the the, uh, the the prime minister must go, stooge, puppet. And in the United States, they're saying we should have a special envoy. No, y'all made the mess. I agree with my colleague, Mama Pierre, out there at UCLA, Haitian sister, who's like, look, this is some BS. And, you know, all my friends with the Black Alliance for Peace, y'all invaded Haiti and you ain't never left. So that wasn't the news of the week. The news of the week wasn't even them California emissions vehicles. But the news of the week was the debt here in the United States and forgiving of debt. Many people, most people don't go to college. And people often say, well, a college degree is what a high school degree used to be if you want to do something. And we got to have jobs. I saw Amy Klobuchar talking to that uh all over the place, white nationalist, South white nationalist, Bill Maher last night. I don't understand. I paid my student loans. Nobody might give a damn about you, Bill. Trust and believe. Nobody gives a damn. Who do you speak for? Everybody. Every GD body. Anyway, the point is that in walking through it with these young people, we're going chapter and verse through the Uh, proposal. The 10 to 20,000 people know that. Here's something that blew their minds. If this is either automatically applied, which will be to a lot of accounts, to your student debt, or you have to update your information or input your information so the government can find you and apply this money, it automatically, if you are in default, it automatically restores you to good standing, at which point you can negotiate uh, negotiate a new payment plan schedule. Wait, what? I said, you know how many Negroes is in default on their student loans? And just because somebody's going to put something on it, what if they owe a whole lot of money? That ain't the point. They, they're they now back in the game to be able to perhaps uh, make enough payments in a row to be able to finance and get a car or a house. House is the thing you want, right? So that's a piece. Wow. The other piece is debt servicing. The payments that will go to your payments could go to the principal, because the government now, Biden is saying, you know, the, what the proposal includes is that either the government will pay the interest, so you can go after the principal, which will take your full payment bound. Now, why is all that important? I've just said it. There are polls. This is where I want to go with this to kind of wind this up. There, we are between the polls on a, on a spectrum here, with two polls on opposite sides of this question of education. Let's think about this ways of knowing. Let's go to our ways of knowing category from an in our Africana Studies framework. Ways of knowing category asks the question. How did or do people of African descent think about the world? Think about each other. Think about reality. Think about the nature and purpose of being. We don't say religion. We don't say philosophy. We don't, we, we're, we're coming up with different language. And again, Monday night, I'd never been in a situation like that before. I rewrote my entire syllabus for the Howard class. And that's just the extension of what we're doing. What we're doing is really the reformulation. And so nobody in this space that we're mounting this African States class is going to be taking a class. We're going to be participating in the class. I'm participating, too. And it is, you know, I'm always thinking and rewriting and trying to rethink and rethink. But this has taken a quantum leap because this is us. This is us even beyond the spaces that we say are us. Right. So the ways of knowing category asks that question. It's really tied to governance. Who are we to each other? How does it free us? So, to what purpose is education? What is the purpose of education? This is where I'm going with this, and how I'm tied this to student debt. On one end of the spectrum, you have everybody, every human being, the ways of knowing. We're all being educated all the time. Asa used to say this all the time. Asa Hill used to always say this. He would say, you know, human beings are constantly learning. We were learning from the moment of conception. You know, when you see us, we're looking at the egg and sperm of our parents. You know, that that learning began when those two things combined out of billions of different possibilities to create what we are. That thing is learning now. that I don't mean Ron DeSantis and Chinless Tom Cotton and shovel mouth bastard Greg Abbott and the rest of y'all. I don't mean. That you can use that as a way to try to control the bodies of women because you want them to be a slave to your rhythm. She dances for the man and work who works her overtime. She can't be rude. Remember Michael Jackson? (laughs) At work, he takes it from home to work. She can't be rude as as she said. Sir, I must be home tonight. Mm. She's a slave to the rhythm. Do you know that most of the debt Held by college students of African descent in the United States is held by black women. She's a slave to the rhythm. You know how many of my students, how many of y'all, how many of us worked their way through college and then had to work to start trying to pay these damn student loans back? How many of y'all waited tables? How many of y'all like me work fast food? I'm a proud graduate of Crystals, Arby's, Wendy's. I work fast food since high school, I work fast food, right? In high school, was all fun and games. First year of college, I got to pay this tuition. My mom and them, my mom busts her ass every day of her life. My father busts his ass every day of his life. I'm proud of that. What James Turner, the new ancestor, called the laboring class. I am proud of that. It's not an advancement for me to be the first in my family to go to college. My brother and sister to have college degrees. It's not an advancement. It's a tool. Because what you don't want from the university is this medieval European concept that's somehow better than you because I walked through here and said, mother, may I, and they put a robe on me and gave me a rolled up ass piece of paper and now I'm coming home telling you what it is. Uh-uh. At one end of the continuum is everybody, education. What is the purpose to, the Egyptians would say, train your replacement. The purpose of education is to enter society as a productive person in society. That's why African people had rites of passage. To show now, you ready for this? Here's some more responsibility. Why? Because we need everybody. Every GD body. We need everybody. So every human, as they would say, always learning, coming into that space. This is some of what I talked about on Thursday night. But again, I started Thursday night with Thursday morning with my young people in education in Black America class as we walked through this Biden plan. And they began to reveal to me the challenges they've had in funding their education. Because guess what? It costs 50 stacks at Howard. It costs 50 stacks at Morehouse and Spelman. At Hampton, it's approaching fifty thousand. But guess what? The black state schools it costs a lot less. A and T, North Carolina A and T, eighteen thousand for in state, thirty-two thousand for out of state. Tennessee State, my alma mater, twenty-three stacks for in state, thirty-six stacks for out of state. Grambling State University, thirty and forty-five. What the hell's going on? But guess where it costs even less? Prince George's Community College, I was sitting there talking with the Dean before I got up and gave my remarks Thursday night, 25,000 for in-person, uh, in-state, 27 for out-of-state. Tidewater Community College, Virginia, 22 and 29, uh, 22 and 27 respectively. Community College of Rhode Island, 22 and 29 respectively. University of District of Columbia Community College, about 24,000. In other words, half of Howard, half or less than Spelman and Morehouse. And I asked the young people, I said, now how many of y'all were told by your families and parents, your 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 communities, that you couldn't go to no black colleges? This is one of them four. Howard Morehouse Spellman, and maybe Hampton or Fisk. I was amazed at the number of that well, I wasn't amazed at all, but I was you know, because it's a safe space. Sometimes truly unfortunate things are said in the classroom, but it's not truly unfortunate because they're unburdening themselves. Yes, yeah, my mama told me. Yes, yeah, what my daddy told me. Yes, yeah, what my family told me they could come. They changed their minds. OK, you can go to Howard, but that's the only HBC you can go to. You can go to Howard or Spelman. I'm only two. You can go to Howard or Morehouse. I'm only two. I know what they say. Why? Because class, what will this look like to the social structure? I'm a field Negro. I went to one of them HBCU field Negro schools. You understand? The brother who's the dean at Prince George's Community College, He we were laughing. He went to Winston-Salem State. I went to Tennessee State. I said, oh, we feel, Negroes." But when you give loan forgiveness to a student who got an associate's degree at a community college, that's going to put a huge chunk in their debt. And if they're Pell eligible, it might wipe it out completely. In fact, what this loan forgiveness will do for Pell eligible people who are eligible for up to $20,000 a year, it was going to wipe out out of what is about 43 million people this uh, program can apply to over half those people, their debt going to be completely wiped out. And people saying, I ain't going to school. You know what? Hell, you can go to hell. Because what you don't understand is that you won't have a society if people don't have certain skills. Klobuchar is telling Bill Maher the other night, "Uh, I I would like to have it tailored so that we could actually have loan forgiveness most for people who are in fields and, and where they have skills that we need, that we need to go for those jobs. I understand, Amy, but you can be quiet. Because part of living is aspiration and life. What do you want to be? I'm coming to this. In fact, I'm going to keep layering this out because it ain't enough, but it's something and it's more than just a little bit. So these young people are telling me that. Then I asked them this. How many of y'all transfer credits into Howard? A number of them. Now this this Education in Black America class, I got about 100 kids in that class. So we're talking. Student after student, they transfer. I'm not just talking about AP or IB credits, those you not in the United States, you know, international baccalaureate or advanced placement credits. This is the top of the food chain kind of stuff in terms of how they organize high school learning. No, I'm talking about either they got an associate's degree from a community college while they were in high school like one of my young nieces and not by blood, but by relations because her parents, Ian Kennanelli out of Texas, you know, I they set up, Cosy was over there helping set up the library in, in the Popo town a few weeks ago when we saw them, right? Kosey got an associate's degree while she was in high school. So she transferred enough credits in to be uh, a first semester junior almost. Cause you know, 15, uh, 30 credits put you into uh, a, a year worth of college. So if you got an associate's degree, you might have as many as 60 credits and that might put you into a junior status. You just knocked off two years worth of value in terms of having to pay tuition and room and board. And a number of these students were also in my class. They also dual, They were also dual enrolled. So they didn't get degrees, but they did take college credits. Uh, a couple of them, one young sister, she did her work. She's from Georgia. And I love it because, you know, you hear the accent. Like, yes, sir. I went to Savannah State. Savannah State. Another Georgian, unmuted herself said, "Yeah, I went to uh, Fort Valley. I saw, oh, yeah, Fort Valley. We're going to read about Fort Valley in that class a little bit later. We talk about the struggle over Fort Valley in, in the in the early twentieth century, John Davidson. I love that education in Black America class because I get to learn about education in Black America. Where is she going to learn about it? And so." I asked her. I said, "Oh yeah, I have a real good friend and classmate. He used to be the dean down there, uh, Burr Pitts, Berlethia Pitts." She said, "I took Dr. Pitts." I said, "See, this is a smart. This is why you go to a black college. You don't go because of the uh, white facing, you know, black skin white masks kind of stuff that goes on often administrative. You go because the students are there and the young people are there and we are there each other. That's what Holly always reminds me when I'm like, I ain't going back. No, no, just okay. I got you. I got you. All right, no problem. But I'm saying all that to say that." That network, they transfer credits in 10, 20, 30 credits, 40 credits, 50 credits. All these credits then mean the, that's money you don't pay. And so what I told them Thursday night was, conveying, because what I told the students was when I go here Thursday night, I'm going to add what y'all talking about to my remarks. What I said to them was, when you come into so-called higher education, the future of higher education isn't the universities. Future of edu- higher education is probably the community colleges. And so this alliance that Howard has with Hampton and Morgan and these other in these community colleges, I said, this is very important because if you're talking about recruiting teachers into this pipeline. Then you have to understand that the best value for us as community colleges and guess who already figured it out? The young people. Now, the step for us, of course, here in, in Newbie and the step that we build these platforms, ultimately, imagine we sign uh, an agreement so the classes that we mount here can count for credit. But do we try to go straight directly to the universities? No, maybe the community colleges might be interesting. Why? Because uh, (laughs) uh, you know what the tuition is when it goes down to a little, little bitty fee for a year to be in a space like this. And we can create an assessment dimension and show and then they can show what they do. Maybe they take a test upon entry and demonstrate. Boom. Wow. This is a problem. Now, of course, that's why they set up accreditation. In the early 20th century, sacks, middle states, because guess what? This game is about the hustle, and the hustle in America and in the world, in the modern world system is capitalism. A lot is about private generation. As Scott Galloway says, the Harvard's, the Stanford's. I read today in Financial Times, uh, Oxford University. I have a young sister in my law school class who did her last two years at Oxford around reparative justice. Brilliant young sister, uh, as I told y'all last week. Shout out, Senora, thinking about this whole you know concept of reparations. Oxford lost half of its. Value in its endowment over the last 18 months. That's what Financial Times said this morning. Uh so now they're down to three billion. Yeah, because it was six. And they panicking, they're panicking three billion dollars. Ain't no university, HBCU got a billion dollar endowment. Howard's the closest, but everybody else is just, just dropping off, right? And some schools trying to keep their doors open and may go out of business. This is what we're talking about Thursday night. So as I told the, the, the these educators Thursday night with the added. Momentum of having engaged with the young people around this whole Biden loan forgiveness thing, which opened up a whole conversation about affordability, about college, about the purpose and reason as we think about again the ways of knowing category. Why are you even in college? It really reinforced that there is a continuum. So I tie this together: on one end is everybody; on the other end are the people who went to higher education with that desire to help everybody. I'm talking about black people now. But who get into that system and are affected by it different ways. And let me make that very concrete. Fannie Willis, who is uh, looking for the scalps of every white nationalist who tried to throw the election in 2020 in the United States. And before it's over, may have some. She went to law school. It wasn't free. I don't know Fannie Willis' financial situation, but if it's like my colleagues and many of y'all, you know, I have colleagues all over the country who owe 50000 100000 150000 200000 or more in college student loan debt because it ain't just the undergrad degree, it's the JD, it's the MD, it's the MBA, it's the MPH, Master of Public Health, it's the Master of Social Work, the MA, and it's the PhD taking out loans, taking out loans, they ain't never going to be out of debt. One of the things that you have to understand in terms of this loan forgiveness thing that Biden's talking about, it also attaches to pre-existing things. So after 10 years, you can have your debt forgiven. After 20 years, you can have your debt forgiven, depending on what you're doing. In public service, you can have it forgiven. One of the things in it is he's going to extend the moratorium on payments through the end of the year. as Mario Beatty about that, what that did for them. Because as educators, they were teaching that that moratorium got them past the loan forgiveness bar. Once that happened, once that happened, they could go out and say, oh, "We're going to try to buy a house. We're we'll going to put down payment on a house, and buy a house." And they did during the pandemic, during a whole ass pandemic. Why? Because they have been crippled by them student loans, y'all. These are lifelong teachers owing hundreds of thousands of dollars. People had to understand, and at least he'll be like, I don't know about that. I don't give a damn about you. You are a human being. I care about your open humanity. We have a common humanity. Beyond that, everything. Come I heard you, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you human joke. You say you are a Christian nationalist, and You should be, too. Well, I should be if I believe that you and I share the nation, which we don't. I don't care. It's going to fall apart. And no ex-running back with brain damage is going to help you save it in Georgia. Because we're going to overrun that, too. Because just like when you attack Roe versus Wade and all these white women went out and registered to vote, this student loan piece is going to create some more things. I'm not capable for the Democrats. I'm being pragmatic. We're talking about strategy and tactics. Don't be stupid. Stop treating politics like it's athletics. Stop treating politics like it's music. Treat politics the way you're supposed to treat. You can be enhanced by that stuff, but you need to think. So, on one of the continuum is everybody. On other in the continuum are people who have to have the licenses to engage in the intellectual warfare. Fannie Willis is one. Just James in New York is one. You got JD. You want to take some student loans out? Debt forgiveness is going to enable those who fight for us who need the licenses to do that. Now that ain't everybody. That ain't nearly everybody. I've seen several op eds. One was in Time magazine the other day. Somebody say, you know, black people saying it should have been more because of course it won't help me because I make too much. Okay, I understand, but I make too much, but I still have to pay. Get this. Some people five, some people six or more hundred dollars a month in student loans. Many of my uh, former students at Howard Law School, man, it's no joke what they have to pay on the monthly Now, How does this impact all of us? Myself, you, Professor Hunter, all of us in the United States. Now, beyond the United States, we have another kind of conversation. I always have students uh, from the continent, from the Caribbean Those whose parents or who have family, or in the case of law school, they're coming to get a a master's-in-law, and they already have a JD. Some of them matriculated in the University of West Indies system, some of them in West Africa. A sister who was with us who's also at Prince George Community College, talking to her Thursday night, uh, she's on faculty there. She has two degrees from universities in her native Nigeria. And then came here. You know, so she talked about affordability even in in the African world. And we know that those opportunities aren't always there because the government subsidizes education, but not for everybody in the same way. It's high stakes testing, hunger games of testing. It's a mess. But education should be for everyone. See, that's how you know, United States is not a nation. Y'all griping because somebody else took out loans and they're going to forgive them and you didn't go to school. Well, guess what? Are we all together? Of course we aren't. Because their education should help you, which is where I'm coming to this. Another example, school teachers, your child go to school. Professor Hunter don't have no biological children. I don't have no biological children, but we are engaged with biological children. When Olivia gets in there, uh, she's at home. She's doing homeschool. And a lot of our young people doing homeschool. What we're doing in Nubian Narrative is enhancing that. Think about Lurie and her husband. These curriculum are going to enhance that. In some ways, they can drive that conversation. Again, going back to the African-centered intellectual wars in the 1980s, 90s, 2000s, some of whom I participated in and very grateful and proud to have done that. Um, Ismail Yemenez, by the way, shout out to that young brother. He just got elevated to be the uh, head of social studies for the school district of Philadelphia. He's been working on an African uh, American curriculum in Philadelphia. Uh, but at any rate, you know, school teachers in DC, I'm going to use DC because I'm right here. Uh, the new president of uh, Liz Davis made transition. The new president of the DC uh, Teachers Union, I heard her talking yesterday, and she said, you know, We're trying to negotiate a new contract with the District of Columbia. Teachers need to be paid better. There are a lot of work responsibilities they shouldn't have. And that's true. We know teachers, many of y'all teachers, you know, we know overworked, underpaid, this kind of thing. So a sister was having a conversation with her and she said, you know, I'm a substitute teacher. And she said, yeah, I know we, we trying to, we, we support y'all getting unionized too because the substitutes aren't unionized. Many of y'all subs, sub, substitute teacher, kindergarten through 12th grade. Like an adjunct teacher at universities, and increasingly people are adjuncts at universities, underpaid, an adjunct at a university might make $3,500 $3,500 a class, $4,000 a class, $5,000 a class. Let's say they make $6,000 a class, which they don't. By the way, shout out to the union at Howard and the union at American. Howard in the spring, American just got their new contract. They just broke because they were going on strike. they on strike. They, they, they called that now because they just reached some agreement with the university. But why you got to fight so hard with people with all these endowments and all this money coming in, especially black schools who, some of the black schools, you got all this George Floyd, Breonna Taylor guilt money and you won't pay the adjuncts. But anyway, K-12, substitute teachers. In D.C., substitute teachers got a raise. They make $20 an hour. So those teachers, many of them, if they don't have another job, they're on unemployment. But of course, when would you have another job? $20 an hour, do the math. Work five days a week. You may be covering this kind of class one day, this kind of class another day. If you're lucky, you're a long-term sub, which means you're in the building for a long but you might be going from school to school to school, school this school three days, this school four days, then another school, patching it together, doing that $20 an hour. Now, what do you have? Because if you went into school, you have to have some either certification or emergency certification and a high school degree ain't going to cut it. You got a bachelor's degree, student loan. You might have a master's degree student loan. Some of these substitutes got a PhD student loans. 10 to $20,000 and you probably pay eligible $20,000 of pay eligible uh, uh application to your student loans. It's going to put a dent and ain't going to be enough. Some of them students, some of them people owe 20, 30, 40, 50 or more thousand dollars a year, 60, $70,000. I'm sorry, total for their student loans. But if half the debt, is going to be canceled of the 43 million. That means it's going to hit a lot of those people who are substitute teachers in D.C. and New York and in, in Chicago and Peoria, Illinois and in Gary, Indiana, the home of the Jackson family, whoever they are. And they are deeply underpaid, but they teach teaching your children and they want to teach your children. But guess what? I can't make no money in this and I'm even a substitute teacher. I'm a full-time teacher, man. You know what? I'm going to go use these degrees to go make more money because I got to pay my car note. I got to figure out how I'm going to get out from under debt. I am crippled by these student loans and can't figure out how to get my credit score up enough to get a point. Again, Biden saying this, this, the thing once they apply this, once this hit your account, you are restored to good standing with your uh, with, with with your loans, and now you can negotiate a different kind of payment. Now, the predatory lender's already lining up trying to figure out how they can do that. That's why the government got to intervene. I heard Yana Presley say the other night, you know, they're coming up with the criteria now. Saw Cardona, standing next to the Secretary of Education, standing next to Biden. They got to work out that criteria. And one of my students, I love it, one of my students actually is an intern at the Department of Education. She said, yeah, Dr. Carr, I can attest to that. They are working overtime now, trying to come up with that form, come up with that category, because they don't want to stay. Want these banks to come in and say, OK, y'all back in. All right, let me hit your ass again. No, you got to cap the payments. This is something that they're working on. Cap the payments. One of the things in this Biden saying we want to cap your monthly payments to maybe 5% of your income. What would that do? That I mean i'll be paying forever no remember once you get past the 10 year or the 20 year line the rest of the money is is is, is forgiven and we're going to service the interest so you got to go to the details people out here just talking about as john bracy always say people spend theories on very small margins of knowledge this is not a panacea and everybody ain't going to college and this is where i'm going to come in for a landing today because you know, after these sessions and I got some more things I gotta to do today. And then in the middle of the night when everything's quiet, maybe because Michael Jackson's birthday is the 29th of August, I might put on, please just leave me alone. Leave me alone. That really I understand Michael. When you're trying to read, you are just trying to be quiet in the space, you don't want everybody to just be quiet. Everybody just be quiet. Right. I get Michael Jackson. Trust me, at least in terms of the art. Now, I ain't never been to the manhouse. house. I ain't been to Neverland Ranch. I ain't been, to you know, and every time you come for him, he got something else for you. So I don't know what's going on. But my point is this. Coming in for a landing. When we think about school teachers. We're thinking about people who are literally shaping the future of any society they're in. And this society doesn't respect school teachers. And many of those school teachers just have licenses because on that continuum, they're closer to the Fannie Willis's and the Tish James of the world who have J.D.s. These teachers get a masters. These teachers get a bachelors. If they are teachers who go into administration, think about your favorite school principal. I think about my man David Norman, my brother, who is out there in the Bronx in New York, who is going for regional superintendent. He's been superintendent of several schools. He is beloved in the community. His father, Nate Norman, was on my dissertation committee. Pop Norman, shout out to him. He's down in Morehouse. He and Mom Norman, uh, who are now um now they ain't retired black people can't spell retired but the point is that their son david he's a school principal and he's loved in the community he's new yorker through and through born and raised in new york so you know he can put on some tims and a hoodie and some jeans and walk through the hood go in touch he put on the tie and the suit and going to the board meeting and manage that and the parents love him the children love him that boy has student debt y'all and it's important to understand that that debt is not the debt of his parents his mother was a schoolteacher. His father's a university professor. They incurred debts, too. But those debts are from the 60s and 70s when you could pay that debt like that, even before when I was in school. It's a different thing. Now, on that continuum, finally, are the people we hold up as those who fought for us. I just uh, talked to, interviewed Margaret Eds, who wrote this book, We Face the Dawn, about Spotswood Robinson and Oliver Hill, two of the men who... Were contemporaries, of people like Constance Baker Motley and Paulie Murray. In fact, uh, Spotswood Robinson taught Paulie Murray. They're both Virginians. Uh, we face the dawn. She named the book for a poem by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. I greet the dawn and not a setting sun when all is done. These men, these two men, Howard University Law School graduates, Spotswood Robinson, one of the most brilliant students ever go to a law school in the country, and I've showed y'all this picture before. I wanted, one of the reasons I want to interview her, I saw her when the book first came out, is because the spots where Robinson had been white. He'd probably been on Supreme Court. There he is as the chief judge in the middle there of the, I've showed y'all this before, uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. On that court was uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who she interviewed, Antonin Scalia, Robert Bork, some of y'all remember that fool, uh, Harry Edwards' brother, who ended up being president of the American Bar Association. On that court, all those judges, Spot Robinson was the chief judge ask uh, doug wilder about Spotswood robinson another graduate of Howard. but my point is that worked himself to exhaustion because in brown versus board of vacation he was one of the people he argued the virginia case it was one of the five cases with brown brown being out of topeka kansas and delaware and you know we've talked about that before but spots robinson was so brilliant that after they had workshopped and argued and made out they came out and they did the mock trial at howard law and the students assaulted them and uh, faculty assaulting, I mean, assaulting, like peppered them with questions, this workshop this way. Now they're gonna argue before the Supreme Court. Robinson argued the Virginia case before the court, but before they went down there, Thurgood Marshall gave spots with Robinson, who was like seven or eight years behind him at Oliver Hill at Howard Law, but recognized widely as probably the most brilliant student ever came through there. Maybe Paulie Murray would be, but anyway, but he'd had the highest GPA up until like 2003 <laughs> in the history of Howard University. School of the documented history. At any rate, he asks Robinson to edit the final brief. Robinson is so thoroughly, thorough an editor. In fact, when he was a judge, a federal judge years later, he is, he is documented to have written the longest footnote in the history of the federal bench. <laughs> Just a foot, I mean, he was that kind of guy. He worked so hard on that brief that he worked himself almost to death. And they put out an appeal, the NLACP did, saying, we are trying to raise money to send Spot Robinson on vacation as they win that case. Because Spot Robinson damn near killed himself but he had a law degree. Student loans not the same then as now, but every time you send a young person to school, every time you go back to school, that licensure, does no test of your intelligence. It's operating in a social structure that requires us to have licensure, so no everybody don't have a college degree no everybody doesn't need a college degree yes as the world is changing the community colleges is probably the best thing because you could actually get student debt and with your pell grant get enough to retire that debt so you don't have to rack up two hundred thousand dollars or more going to one of these schools now I ain't talking about the four hbcus i mentioned i'm talking about the nyus and the harvards and the Stanfords. you know the ones that you love the ones that you worship the one that you want your master to know you went to as they ignore you at Martha's Vineyard. But at any rate, the point is that you don't have to do all that, yes, but most people who don't go to college will benefit in a society where we have a governance formation where we went to school. I didn't go to school to make it on myself. Professor Hunter, you didn't go to school to make it on yourself. You, you, you did that to help. So those young people in your classroom right now, who you're engaged in, who you're going to train to be journalists, all those young people I have that at Howard, we're well, going to expose them to this Africana uh, ways of knowing and thinking and being so they can tap who they are into things they don't know. And more importantly, all the people here, which is everybody on that end of the continuum, who will benefit from the fact that we can resource from these places that so they don't let you in unless you got a mother may I pass that you paid for in blood and treasure. We benefit collectively. Ignore those people having them arguments because as is written uh, Will Bunch, who's a reporter, actually, this is where I can end with the Philadelphia Inquirer. He just published a book called After the Ivory Tower Falls, how college broke the American dream and blew up our politics and how to fix it. And as I told him Thursday night, At the uh, partnership, I said, you know, the, the how to fix it chapters in these books, I find are pretty much worthless Plus, it ain't my objective to fix it. But the stuff that comes up to it, he starts with his grandmother. He says, my grandmother never got a chance to go to college, yet she started one. That's a slight oversimplification. She actually took over a small, struggling secretarial school and turned it into an accredited college, awarding bachelor degrees to the middle class of middle America. But still, her unlikely story tells a lot about what college became during our bold 20th century." and what it no longer is today. By the time Arlene Hammond Bunch passed away in 1987, at 80 years and one week of age, she'd handed out thousands of diplomas from Mid-State College in Peoria to Central Illinois farm girls dreaming of taking flight in the heyday of Pan Am. She's a slave to the rhythm. To Caterpillar Assembly Line refugees seeking a pathway to the American dream. She works so hard to make her way to uh, Caterpillar Assembly Line refugees seeking a pathway to the American dream inside the ledger book of accounting into the tempest-tossed victims of 1980s layoffs, yearning to learn computers. I need the jobs of the future. Ain't no more coal, fool. Do you see California getting ready to ban gas cars? You guys better go back to computer school. Oh, you need some money? Need a loan? Oh, you qualify for a Pell Grant because you got five dollars. You don't want loan forgiveness? Oh, you know what? No, go back to the cold man. Just stay there. I'm going to send Tom Cotton, Ron DeSantis. Oh, they ain't coming over there. Why? Because they got mansions. They laughing at you. Except election time when they tell you that we the enemy. And then you send them to D.C. to make sure that they take that money for loan forgiveness and give it to the corporate masters that sent them there. In this book, Will Bunch makes this point. He said, you know the reason that school public colleges are starved? Because legislators want that money for the people that fund them and how they get people to vote for it is that they've turned the, the public into the white public. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the social structure. I'll end with the government structure in a second. They turned the white public into this, um, with this attitude, many of them, that if you go to college, you think you better us. That's why when you look at the people who voted for Donald Trump, you see the percentage of them who did not go to college. You want them people not to go to college. In fact, you want them people to hate college. In fact, you want them people to say, if you went to college, you ain't nothing but a latte-sipping liberal, and you ain't nothing but you hate America, and you hate people, and you hate people like me. Nobody hate people like you. Say ah, ah, ah oh, them tonsils look terrible. You need to take them tonsils out. I ain't got no insurance. Well, somebody with a college degree went to Congress until you start putting these other fools in. Here go a doctor going to take your tonsils out. Uh, she got an MD. She's trying to pay student loans and she's looking down at your throat saying, should I take this tonsil out? She just closes up and this the ability to go on back and pray to whatever it prays to so that, uh, you know, you can just go on and die. Why? Since you don't want me to have uh, a degree. And If you're working at Morehouse School of Medicine, Howard University School of Medicine, Meharry Meharry Medical College, Charles Drew School of Medicine, you're probably getting paid less than your counterparts at the University of Georgia, University of Alabama, New- University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, and you're trying to pay back six, seven hundred dollars a month student loan while you're trying to serve the community, while you're trying to raise your family, while your kid is a first year freshman at Texas Southern, and you're trying to pinch off some money to send to her the whole time. And when you hear Burton's Biden say that, you say shit that ain't a whole lot of money but that's more than nothing okay now we got to keep pushing why then you go elect some more people and guess what if you want the 50 stacks you need to tip that damn federal legislature house and senate you said voting don't matter i'm telling you why it does you ask somebody with student loans if fifty thousand dollars would be better than 20 or 10. the answer is going to be yes and for us education was never about escaping the hood Education was about elevating all of us. We have a different concept of education than these people who have been forced to choose between their whiteness and their life, and they choose their whiteness, they ain't gonna kill us. I'm yes. gonna stop. No, y'all keep going. <laughs> no, that's no, it. No, no. I'm gonna stop because I'm sorry, people are, well, that don't mean nothing. You talk somebody with a student loan. Come on, and I love the
0: destigmatizing community college because yes. i know maybe both of us were raised in environments where community college was looked upon looked down upon like if you went to a community college maybe you weren't as smart as somebody else but it is strategy it, no. is, it is financial strategy Teacher. and it you know into for a lot of young people in high school getting those college credits through community college is brilliant
1: Brilliant. Do you hear me? Brilliant. These kids blew my mind. I was so I almost I almost cried. y'all really, they done not figured this out, prof Oh, it's brilliant. Listen, um,
0: I like I said to my students, um unless y'all gonna be doctors or engineers or something. Nobody's ever asked GPA, where I went to school, you know, all of the you you can be wildly successful. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's it's so weird how we've been trained to, to um, not live our best lives. So I, I'm so grateful. I'm looking forward to this uh, experience. I don't even know if we can call it a class with you. We're,
1: we're yeah. together, that's right, that's right. Um, so did you figure out when we're gonna do it? Because I know office hours no. office hours. No, yeah, I, I had to figure it out because uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, it might be Tuesday evening. I'm saying that tentatively, because I'm kind of locked up and Fridays because we're still remote. I promised the young people that I would do, like they have a museum requirement on the weekends. And so um, I'm gonna meet them down there a few times. And anybody in Nubian's narrative, if y'all want to come meet some of these young people or just be around, you know, I'm, I'll let y'all know when. I have to do it week by week. I can't do it this weekend. By the way, uh, Larry Crow was in Pittsburgh. They're having a Martin Delaney conference. Some Nubians showed up last night. He was so happy. You remember from Monday night, they see we come? They came. So they're out there now in Pittsburgh battling over Martin Delaney. So, you know, with these Negroes like Tundee uh, who wants to make Martin Delaney something other than what he is. Shout out, Tunde. We see you, boy. We see you. I got all your books stacked up over here. You ain't saying nothing. You haven't done nothing, anyway. I'm sorry about that, but yeah, um, it'll probably be Tuesday. I gotta fine tune it, but yeah, it'll probably be Tuesday. Um,
0: okay, well, it's just because
1: otherwise, right now I'm working seven days a week. I gotta figure out which them days.
0: Same, you know, what? It, it doesn't. Some of these days don't feel like work.
1: Like it's tonight. not work. Yeah, I shouldn't even say work. Monday,
0: like you know, doesn't even feel like work. It just feels. It feels like purpose for me and you. Yes. I know for you.
1: Yes. Oh, no, definitely. And I love it, y'all. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. People are, people are chiming in on what they did to get those degrees. Community colleges, you know, as we say, the universities know this, but our schools, uh, Stillman College, I was looking at the president of Stillman College, he had some partnerships with the University of Alabama. You know, these little schools could be in real trouble. And we're not given in kind of way, by the way, again, you're going to put the link in the, the, the description, pardon Marcus Garvey and go get 10 other people. To sign that, let's just overflow the boundaries. Because again, Joe Biden didn't forgive a penny of debt because he wanted to. He did that because we were in the streets. If you think for a minute. That Tamika and them and all that—they was all by no. They knocking on doors in Georgia to send Ossoff and Warnock to the to the Senate to have the votes to do that. Now we need a Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin. Now we need Gary Chambers in Louisiana. In other words, you got to overflow that. You got to render Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema useless because if they had had the votes in Sinema and Manchin hadn't kneecapped this, you might have got to fifty stats. You certainly would have got more money in the bill that passed that he signed a few weeks ago. But 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 the whole point though is that um. You know, we, we 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 have to understand that, yes, you should have voted for Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders if you wanted the thing to be free or community college to be free. But guess what? Joe Biden will do it if you make him. And once they make community college free, Professor Hunter, it's going to change the whole game. All them kids going to go. get They're going to show up at Spelman with as, as first semester juniors. That's a different mentality. I mean, it is. going to be 18 years old, which is why now we got to deal with the question of maturity. <laughs>
0: so. I mean, th- these kids have had to grow up uh, a lot faster. I'm seeing that too. Like that, this definitely. generation is not, they're not here for the game. So uh, I'm optimistic. And to your point, um, making people do stuff, but also getting accreditation within narrative so that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you charge a whole lot less. No uh, that's coming, you know not even a a full two years in. I'm so incredibly, I can't say proud, um, pleased, but also just optimistic about what's going to come next, because Mm -hmm. you're starting to see things just come together. People come together.
1: This is uh, super exciting. And uh, oh, I'm, I'm looking at the chat, prop. I just want to mention one person, infinity uh, 818425 said his professors at Cal Berkeley taught at Berkeley Community College. The University of California system, Clark Kerr set it up. Actually, I talk about this with my law students. We read about that. And I'm, this is, again, this is just 30 seconds. The University of California system was set up at a way that was affordable. And what has happened in the California system over the last 20, 30 years is criminal. In fact, it started with the man whose name no one black in DC speaks when they fly into DC National Airport, the R word, when he was governor. You start making it inaccessible. But the whole idea was you have the community colleges, you have the state university system, and you got the University of California system. So Cal Berkeley, uh, then you have of course, uh, Cal State, Los Angeles, then you have the community colleges. That was the way it was set up, and it was all affordable. Affordability isn't about the salaries of the professors. They'll tell you that, oh, most of the money at the university goes to salaries of the staff. Mm-hmm. And which of them staff is professors, and which of them, are them damn administrators that are making more money than God looking around trying to cut programs. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to say less at this point. But the point is that Affordability has to do with turning universities into, at the top, hedge funds, and some of these HBCUs want to be Negro versions of that. And at the bottom, places to gate people's money, which is why y'all who paid them for profit degrees, part of the loan forgiveness is to get you out from that bad money that you spent, or that you are now tied to. So,
0: Dr. Carr, thank you. Thank
1: you, Professor Honey. So
0: much. Uh, Whoa! appreciate you. Uh, and. You know, it was almost like um, I don't mm-hmm. think my young mind processed that, what Michael Jackson did. And sometimes you don't have to beat people with a hammer. Exactly. It's just, it's
1: matter of fact. yes. Yeah, if you got a gift, you just sing it. Okay. <laughs> you
0: penetrate people's souls. And of course, uh, uh, Egyptians were black. Uh, no question. Thank you. Thank you. I will see you in the new streets. In the Dr. Mnubi- streets. Mnubi- mm-hmm. Dr office hours and yada yeah. da, yada i'm in tomorrow Rooms, medicine chest Dr. Baby's moved to wednesday we got also yeah. yoga uh nope. this week we're gonna do as virgo season and all the virgos was just showing out in the chat uh with their virgo selves including you know carl and your is born on the same exact day
1: the 24th my sister, happy birthday my sister's birthday was the 24th gussie my mama my
0: sister was born on the same day as carl and your 24th yes
1: yeah. indeed <laughs> Shout out Happy birthday. I can of course I talked to you on her birthday, but now happy birthday again. Yeah. Oh
0: man. All now right. My
1: mother's mother. So anyway.
0: Yes. And your love mother you. Virgo. And all of all of the Virgos out there. Happy Virgo season. We're gonna do uh astrology with um Sam Reynolds on Reynolds. Yes, three days. Uh but Dr. Dr. Carr, love you.
1: See love you later. Too,